What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 25 of the Amazon Hustle podcast. Damn, episode 25. I'm not going to go down memory lane because I do that like every five episodes. I'm just still amazed that I said I'm going to do 10 of these episodes. And now I'm at episode 25 and I have like 10 already recorded. So I'm just looking forward to getting to episode 50 because that will be a huge milestone for me. Um, But for episode 25, I wanted to talk to you guys about the way you approach your Amazon business. Like it's cool to say we're looking to start a side hustle or to make an extra couple of dollars or to make an extra thousand dollars. But I really believe mindset and mind frame and how you approach certain things will determine how successful you will be in those things. And when you decide to start selling on Amazon, you need to understand that Amazon is worth $1 trillion. $1.01 trillion is the market cap on the stock market for Amazon. That's not a side hustle. That's not a, let me just see how it works or let me see how it goes. You can't just approach this as like a hobby. A hobby is something that you do when you have time that you enjoy doing. Amazon, most of the time, it's not gonna be something that that you're gonna enjoy doing. You're not gonna wake up and say, oh, I enjoy packing up these items or I enjoy going through all these different listings and seeing why it's stranded and why it's not stranded or I enjoy going to be cool and repricing all my items. Most of the time you're not going to enjoy it, but what you will enjoy is the freedom that you get from it. And of course the money that you're going to make from it, but you won't make any real money if you don't treat it like a business. So you got to treat it like a business. Like you can't treat it like a hobby. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you, how many times have you been watching an interview or a news spot or something where somebody did something of importance? whether that was in their career sports whatever it is how many times have you been watching somebody do that and they get asked well how did you do it how many times have that person answered well it was well it was just a hobby and it just kind of happened no good things and extraordinary things don't come from just being a hobbyist you have to be anal about it and you have to be strict about it it's cool to kind of slowly step into it but you need to step into it the right way you need to have systems in place if you don't have those systems you need to build those systems which most of us will need to build those systems build a system of how we do sourcing build a system of how we do prepping build a system of how we do repricing and we're building these systems so when the point comes that we want to outsource whether that's a va or an actual employee we have these systems already in place so we can say look person look v look guy who's going to do my prepping this is how we do it follow these steps and it will get done because the overall goal of all of us which i feel safe saying is that you want to go from your nine to five into your amazon business when you first go into your amazon business you're going to have to work a lot in your business it's just going to be you you're going to be a solopreneur you're going to be doing the shipping the sourcing the the listing the packing you're going to be doing all that but over time we want to get to the point where we're not working in our business and we're working on our business and that's when you see these people who are making a hundred thousand dollars each month or selling not making selling a hundred thousand dollars each each month i think once you get over I think you can get to about 40 to 50,000 by yourself solo dolo, but once you get over 40 to 50,000, you're going to have to outsource those things and it would be a lot easier to outsource those things and you would feel a lot more comfortable giving control over to somebody else of certain parts of your business when you have these systems already in order. So I just wanted to let you know that you need to take this as a actual business from day one 
also I want to say a lot of us will, when we start selling on Amazon, we research how to source products or how to pack products or how to list products. That's cool. Do that. But start doing some research on how to run a business, how to open up an LOC, how to get a business credit card, how to get a loan, how to pay taxes, how to like start doing, start looking at it from the business point. Like it's cool to go sourcing, but look at it from the business point also. And that brings me into who we have for this week on episode 25 of the Amazon Hustle. We have Soros. He is known as Arbitrage Ops on Instagram. Um, we talk a lot about how he started on Amazon, um, his business insights, because he is a multi-millionaire seller on Amazon. I think he said last year they did about 11 million in sales, which is crazy. So I'm really I'm really happy to have him as a guest on the, on this episode of the podcast. So I'm going to stop talking. And we're going to get right into the episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. Okay. So can you tell the people exactly who you are and what it is that you do? Uh, my name is Tim or most people know me as Soros. Uh, I have an online arbitrage Amazon store that we peaked at around 11 million in sales on a um, rolling 12 month basis. Right now we're about a seven and a half, $8 million store. And we have, we started as retail arbitrage and I still am a huge proponent of retail arbitrage, but we can get into why I do more online right now. Amazon is kind of a, it's just what I'm currently doing, but everything we're talking about is related to business mindset and like business in the future. I don't know if we're going to be doing Amazon in 10 years, um, but what Amazon has taught me is so many things that just relate to business just from the very first moment when you get in the store and you don't see anything that's going to make any profit. You're scanning, 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 and you finally find a product. That's just a microcosm of business. When you first start a new business, um, when you get into anything, you just feel like this is too hard. I don't, I feel like I'm never going to get anywhere. How is this ever going to scale? And then you hit something and then you get a couple more and then you get a little bit more confidence and that works in sourcing. And that also works in business. And Amazon taught me that about business where like, you can drop me into any industry, drop me into insurance, drop me into finance, whatever. I have a feeling it's going to work really similarly. Yes. Just plug away, get the right mentors and contacts to give you a little guidance on your path. We'll always get that. Don't even start without it. And uh, then that veil telling you that there's no opportunity will start to be lifted. And you're like, you know, a few months in, you start to realize there's just endless opportunity. So what do I do? Honestly, as a business owner, I am... A big like I talk like this. I I give a lot of just like mindset advice to my top people, and I try to allow them to like disseminate it down to the rest of uh, my company. Nice. Um, you said that you don't know if you're going to be an Amazon in ten years, and that's one of the things I say whenever I talk to people about Amazon. Like Amazon is what I do now. I don't know if I'll be doing it ten years from now. I know mm -hmm. I'll be in business and growing to growing to where I am at now. But I don't know if it'll be Amazon, if it'll be Amazon and real estate, if it'll just be real estate. If it'll, I don't know what it'll be, but Amazon is just a business. And like you said, if you could take everything that you learn from Amazon, you could pretty much apply that to any other business because it just simply like most businesses just come down to supply and demand and just management to me personally. So yeah. hundred percent. And you know, inventory trade and arbitrage is never going away. I was just on a podcast. Somebody was saying it's arbitrage is literally the second oldest profession. Um, was that like um, was that Chris from um, I, from Clear yes. as the Chef? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he was on. He's talking about. I was like, "What's the first? He's like prostitution." And I was of like, course, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. He's like, "Yeah." He said people were like arbitraging gold and silver from like one empire to another. Like, I'm like, damn. And yeah, I I've been thinking that too. Just inventory trade. That's what we do. Is just 
there's always going to be inefficiency. And I can explain, I can explain a bunch of different reasons why I just in my company, there's inefficiency that someone could arbitrage on. Um, that is never going away. There's like geographic arbitrage. So whether it's Amazon or not, I think Bezos himself said that there's going to be something better than Amazon in the future. So in 10 years, the way technology progresses, I'm sure there's some other form of inventory trade that'll be happening then. Do you think there'd be something better than Amazon or just something new that kind of can compete with Amazon? Like, do you think that something can actually come up and like take over Amazon space or spots? I mean, dude, in 10 years, like anything is possible. Companies get big, they get clunky. Um, the world changes and like certain things right now. Yeah, they own the logistics chain. They're like the best in the world at what they do right now. I'm not moving anywhere else. But in 10 years, it's so hard to predict yeah. the kind of things that can happen. Like, yeah, we have the behemoth. I mean, I guess we've never seen behemoths like this before. Um, Apple, Apple, Amazon, Facebook. Google. Yeah. But if history is any like indicator like empires rise and fall. Like it's not, it wouldn't be normal for empires to go on forever. Maybe they are still around in 10 years. They probably will be, but I'm a believer that there will be other competitors and, and different things that that uh, that come about. I can see that. Um, I want to go back to the first time you ever heard about Amazon FBA. What were you doing before you started to get into Amazon FBA or not even get into Amazon FBA. What were you doing before you even thought about it or even heard about it? Yeah, uh, well, I'll take you just back to uh, just in the corporate life. I came out of college and I was working as a CPA at an accounting firm. Um, three years in the office. I just, I knew from like year, I don't know, day one that I didn't want to be in an office. <laughs> I mean, I looked around me and I didn't even care. The guys, the top guys, nobody looked like somebody I wanted to be like, mm -hmm. like that was one thing I noticed right away. And, you know, just sitting, sitting in the office working for somebody else, like that never really vibed with me. And I read, I read a lot of Tim Ferriss, like four hour work week. That was kind of like my first, like real, I guess, Bible of entrepreneurship, something that really got me excited. And I started kind of implementing some of those things. Like I, uh, I, around year three, I was just like, I'm out, I'm, I'm going to quit. Um, I'm going to go travel the world. And okay. after asking for raises every year, they're just like, wait a second. If you come back or if you want to work part-time, here's like a 50% raise, a oh, giant man. raise. I was like, wait a second. So I essentially negotiated my way out of the office. And, and when I came back, I was going to be remote, which at the time was a big deal. Like everybody's remote now. But so I traveled the world, like Asia, Australia for like six months, came back. And they hooked me back in with the higher salary, but I was working from home. And that original job was in DC. I got to keep a DC salary with the 50% raise in Miami. I, oh, wow. I started living in Miami and that was awesome. And I did that for a while, but still, I was still tied to this corporation. I don't care. I got my hours down to like 10, 15 hours a week. Okay. And I was still making a good salary, but my friends thought I was crazy. I'm like, I got to get rid of this. Like, I, I'm just not, this isn't me. So I think can the crypto. I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Going from working full time in the office to coming <laughs> off a, a six month world tour to being able to just work 10 to 15 hours and a total like across the country while making more money. What was it like? What was still missing? Was it the freedom or was it the having to work with somebody else? else? I was just talking to someone about this. I, I, I swear some weeks I got down to five hours. I, I, 
I mean, it's funny. I see some of my employees that I've trained start doing stuff like this. Like, like a lot of times you want to do the little, the least possible when you can't, when your goals aren't right and you're not getting paid for what you're doing. Anyway, um, what was missing? I was just talking to somebody that if I have one hour a week of a phone call that I don't like, I feel like I'm chained down, I'm anchored down. And I remember this like one lady named Judy, I hated talking to you every week. And I had gotten my hours down so low. And I'm like, something about this call is anchoring my entire life. Like my friends are like, dude, keep the money and do your entrepreneurship. You only have a couple calls. But I knew deep down that that wasn't it. I needed a full break. I, I had gotten some savings at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was it. Like I, I'm just always like attracted to freedom. Like I, I always want freedom, you know? And And that was it. I didn't have the freedom. I was working for somebody else. I didn't have like, a crazy high ceiling working for them. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, I had, I, I did not decide that I'd be talking to this client. I had to do it. Right. So I think that was the major thing. I get that. I get that. So this is what, four years in now you did three years, then you went on your world tour. Sorry, so they got me back to work. I worked for about three more years when okay. I got back remote. So you're then like what, 25, 26 around this, this time. So Let's see. I was 22 out of college, started so traveling 20. at 25, came back probably so around age 28. Okay. Um, and I believe, I hope I got this right. That was around 2017 when the crypto boom started happening. Uh -oh. And I was able to, I was already raised around investments. Um, I already had a portfolio. My, my dad's a financial advisor. I've been putting savings into um, Facebook and stuff. And I got really lucky, you know, I'm, it's been a freaking 13, 14 year bull market until like this year, <laughs> um, since 2008. Mm -hmm. So I, I like, you know, I put together a little bit of chunk that I could take a break with. And then crypto boom happened and I got rich. And then 2018 lost 95% of that. Oh, um, shit. like a lot of people did in crypto 20. So that was my indoctrination to crypto. Um, so 2018 rolls around. Can I ask a question about that? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Because you said that in 2018, 95% of it was was gone. Was that 5%? Were you still up with that 5% or no? All right. Maybe that 95%. Okay. I, I Let's see if I want to reveal numbers here. Let's you say I got to... Numbers. No, I will. Like, I think, I think at that time in my life, I like when I say rich, I probably made like one point, I had like 1.8 million on paper. Oh, wow. And at the low, I was down to like 130 grand. Oh, shit. Okay, um, so I still had money, but it was. It's now 1.8. And you'll see, like, I had this, and then I traded for a couple of years. Um, I kept it afloat. I was ha having a good time in Miami. Then I meet my wife, well, who became my wife. Um, I still am like at this you know, just like barely getting by with trading, getting better at trading, but- Are you um, day trading or? Day trading, swing trading. Like um, I was essentially just leverage trading Bitcoin for a while. Okay. And it's, uh, I, I feel like I'm a better trader now, but like it was, it wasn't paying the bills. It was, um, it was keeping me afloat maybe. So I meet this girl, we get, uh, we have a baby coming very early, like three months into uh, dating, but it feels right. And right when we knew, right when I knew that a baby was coming, I realized I, I had to get serious again. Mm -hmm. And I my initial reaction was, I got to go back and get like my CPA job, like, like, you know, get some income, some security, and then I'm also going to build. But luckily, uh, my girl, she would laugh at me when I talked about like playing it safe. 
she's oh, like, okay. I know you're, I know you're an entrepreneur. Like that you, you know, you got to go for something. And she introduced me to a ment an Amazon mentor named Paul, who she met at a Tony Robbins conference. And I was super skeptical. Like we talked about earlier, opportunity mindset. I didn't have that at all. Mm -hmm. I, I was just like, how could this even exist? How have corporations not figured out how to make money in all these places? Why would I be able to compete with that? But I got on the phone with Paul. He showed me like his, he has like a mini prep center in his house, basically like in his garage and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I could see how like they knew what they were doing. I could see right away just by like his prep system, like that he wasn't messing around. Was and Paul like, doing private label or was he doing arbitrage? Also? Retail arbitrage. Okay. So I uh, so had that first call and I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this guy a shot and not just give him a shot. I'm going to listen to every single thing he says because I can tell these guys know what they're doing. So the, um, you know, and he said like, yeah, you want to start with like five, 10 grand. That's he, he was big, big on like, look, I don't want people starting with one grand. Like it's, this is not a side hustle. Like from the very beginning, he was like, we're, we're building a business here. So that was a big mindset thing. And, and he, and he also said that, um, Amazon is 80% mindset. Business is 80% mindset, 20% tactics. And he kept hammering that in. He's like, dude, it's all about waking up and getting optimistic and setting your goal and getting past roadblocks. It's not about, I'm not going to teach you like all these special tactics. Um, you're not going to learn anything from me that's like so much different than what everybody else is doing. He's like, your mindset is what's going to make you succeed. And he would pick up the phone all the time. Anytime I had a question, anytime I like wanted to get pumped up, he would pick up the phone and talk to me. And I just still can't believe he was able to offer me that much time. Um, but again, it was it was basic stuff. It was get out to the store. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, get sales rank stuff that's under 100,000. It wasn't anything that crazy. It just got me going. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was the beginning. So we, I met him, got me going, got me out to the stores. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I keep going on how it progressed. But yeah, it took um, me like three months to my first sale. Really? Okay, so was Paul in Miami also, or was this like just totally phone stuff, or did he go to the stores with you, or like how was it? First off, was was this like a paid thing, or was this just like a favor? Yeah, no, I was paying him. Okay. Um, it was still way too cheap for what I got, just unbelievably cheap for what I got. Um, but yeah, he was actually in Lauderdale or like West Palm or something. So how close far by. is that from Miami? like an hour, but we okay. did everything on the phone. I didn't, okay. we, I visited him once, but it was just to like, hang. we didn't like do any like in-person training. Okay. His wife would do, we would do screen shares, like for the, you know, for inventory lab stuff, Her, his wife would jump on with me and like show me some, okay. some technical stuff on the computer. So from the time Paul showed you the ropes, cause like, I also agree with you. Like a lot of people write me and say, can you like, they write me. And they don't say it directly, but I can tell that they're looking for me to give them this secret that I'm just holding back that once yeah. I give them this a secret that everything is going to work out. And I'm like, literally all the information that you need to be able to get products is everywhere. It's just simple sales rank and supply versus demand. Like there's nothing yeah. I can tell you, but what I can help you is about being consistent, having the right mind frame, being able to let go of your losses and not holding on to that. Those are the things I think separates a good Amazon seller from a bad Amazon seller, but we all have the and, same information. Yep. And I think the next, the only thing you didn't mention with a mentorship or a mentor or somebody you look up to is just the confidence that you've done it. That's oh, enough. That dream 
like knowing that you've done it, that's everything to me. Like that, that's why I'll pay 10 grand for a mentorship in a heartbeat rather than trying to search for stuff on online on my own because it's just a guy, like you said, keeping me accountable. Every week I got to be accountable to this guy and a guy that I know he's done it. Like, why can't I do it? That is very, very true. And one of the things that I noticed, because I've only been coaching for about three months, it's been going really, really good, but I've been coaching for about three months. And the biggest thing that I noticed is that most people don't really need coaching. They just need somebody to tell them that they're doing it right. They just second, yep, that's it. They just second, <laughs> second guess themselves, and they'll send me an ace and be like, can you check this out? And then I'll check it out. And I'm like, you did everything right. And that's all they want to hear is that they're on yep. the right track. And I think people discount, discount, we're discounting that. Okay. It's only, they want to hear that they're right. And, but that's why like nine out of 10 people won't go, or like seven out of 10 people won't go to a coach because they're like, I can figure this out all on my own. But that like, I don't know. It's like a parent when you're a baby telling you you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. It's like something we need and something we should, should pay for. I'm not like, it's, it's, I I've been saying this a lot lately on my podcast. I will not do any business anymore without a mentor. I'm not going into any area unless I have, and maybe multiple mentors. I may have a mindset coach and I may have a coach that is telling me literally exactly what I have to do for the first like million dollars in this business. It's funny that you say that because at first, I was I wasn't against coaching. To be all honest, I was just broke and I couldn't afford it. If I could have afforded it then, then I would have do yeah. it. But now that I'm doing a little bit better, I well, it's a twofold thing. The first thing is about time. I have when I first started, I had way more time than I have money. Now I don't have as much time, so I don't have time to sit down and spend three weeks trying to figure out something when I could just go to you and you could spend a week and you could teach me everything and then I could just yeah. hit the ground running. And then also. I have a mindset coach. I have a time management coach. I have a fitness coach. I, I have a coach that teaches other coaches how to coach other people. <laughs> like it's just, I have a lot of coaches and I just think mentorship books and mentorship are the, are like the quickest way to success to me personally. Yeah. Uh, a thousand percent. And a, a new thing I'm doing. So I'm starting this new, I'm doing a group. I'm in someone's group coaching. And a lot of it is based on the Think Grow Think and Grow Rich book by Napoleon Hill. Just read and, it yeah, for the second. Yeah, episode. one thing that they're talking about is it's not just about you, you mentioned books. This is the big thing that's been missing, I think, lately, and I'm excited to do this year. This year, I'm going to read like two books, but I'm going to read them each like 20 times. Okay. I'm going to absorb and repeat things that I learned in these books over and over and over again, because the knowledge and doing gap is so big for most of us. I get anxiety about this. I've learned so many things, so many cool things, so many human potential things to do. And I'm like, how much am I implementing in this? I hope I'm implementing something. I hope it's getting in there, but no, I'm being intentional about like, I'm going to focus on these key principles from this book and repeat it into my brain every morning, I'm, every morning, every night, watch two videos based on this book, read this book over and over again, and see if like, see when that literally becomes a part of my being, as opposed to getting ideas from all over the place and hoping that all kind of created something unique in me. So that's what, uh, that's one major initiative I have in like 2023. Do you have those two books already picked out or are you still searching for them? Or is it, or is it a, yeah. a secret? Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Lent I like to... Outwitting the Devil. I like that. I, th I think that's his best book. 
Yeah. So then, um, oh, I haven't read any other Napoleon Hill, but then Bob Proctor. Re-outwitting re re the devil, but before you start your two books for the rest of the yeah. year, re-outwitting re the devil. It's really, really good. Okay. I mean, it, I can read other books. It's just, I'm going to focus on a few, you know? <laughs> Okay. And uh, yeah, then that, Bob Proctor said he read Think and Grow Rich every day for 50 years, and he created a lot of his, like, mindset stuff on that. So that's what his... Um, his programs okay about Bob Proctor change your paradigm change your life paradigm is literally just your collection of habits that are leading you to success or failure and it's literally just changing them mm -hmm. um, so basic stuff and yeah so that book this book and then Proctor mentioned like something psych psycho cybernetics that's more like just like a side thing that I, I'll add on but um yeah I'm I'm doing a six-month program I'm joining and we're literally just I haven't even started the program yet, but I'm pretty sure it's repetition of principles in these books and accountability that you did them every week. Yeah, I can agree with you because I, at the beginning of last year, in 2021, I read like 25 books in the whole year, which was a lot for me, maybe a lot for a lot, a lot of people. But then in 2022, I was like, okay, I read all these books. But if you ask me about the first book I read, I couldn't tell you anything about it. So yep. I was so I was thinking to myself like how good, or how good is it for me to read all these books, but I can't take any of the principles or remember any of the principles. Right. So, so did you actually learn anything? Like you may maybe I hope you did, but I'm I'm wondering in that first book, like you did not learn that much. No. And we were taught in school that knowing all what you learned is you can probably pull out from your memory bank in a conversation with me or a friend something from that book that's what you learned yeah but and how to that, actually take it yeah. and apply it and actually it's not in your being even no. if you applied it for a week or a month it's not no longer in your being you're on to the next book so we were taught in school that knowledge learning all these different things but all what did that do for us that literally just when we have especially when we have google it's kind of pointless all it did <laughs> is maybe so we can talk to people and sound smart like um one of my things now is I have my kids, so I try not to say it around my kids because I do believe, even though I don't really believe in the school system, I do think that it has some positive things, especially for younger kids. For but sure. when you start getting in, into high school and things like that, I'm kind of, you could be teaching yeah. people way other, more things that are way more important. And my main thing to go to is, why do I need to know all 195 countries when I could just Google it yeah. or I could just ask Siri? Like, that's taking up space that I don't need that I could yeah. just, so yeah. Hundred percent, and I agree. There's plenty of good things in school, but there's plenty of principles and key things that they're missing. And yeah, you're gonna get chastised for that. Someone is going to call you ignorant for not I do. wanting I do. to I do. learn countries. There was, a, dude. There's a story, and I think it's second chapter of Think and Grow Rich. Um, Henry Ford, creator of Ford, the company Ford uh, Vehicles, he um, was suing a media company because they. Um, they said he was ignorant. They literally said they were like doing, they were saying he was ignorant some stuff and he was saying, this is libel. I'm not ignorant person. Mm -hmm. It was something like that. So he was suing them. And then, so their, their, um, their goal was to prove that he was ignorant in court. And so they're asking him all kinds of facts, all kinds of things, all of like, did you know, you know, how many soldiers came over from, from Britain when they attacked the U S mm -hmm. And, you know, he was doing his best answer, but he didn't know the specifics to like most of the questions. So they thought right. they were succeeding. But then eventually, this is before Google, obviously, like eventually, like one of the questions really annoyed him. And he was like, look, 
I have a box in my house or in my office, electrical buttons. And if you ask me that question, I press one of these buttons and I call up one of my people and they come and they bring me the exact answer. And then like the whole courtroom, like stopped there, like, wait, this guy is not like, they actually thought he might be an ignorant mm -hmm. person. And then they were like, wait a second, this guy is a, a, a he knew that he was a very smart human being after realizing he could get any resources he want with a system he designed. And this guy was not, you know, a school educated person. Mm -hmm. So I guess, what does that tell you? He, he had the paradigms, he had the habits, he had the things to actually be successful. He didn't have all the knowledge, all the knowledge that we're taught. And that's what a lot of these books are about. It's about like, we need to learn. Um, and, and, and about that, like a lot of successful people, they don't actually know they're unconsciously in, they're unconsciously competent. They don't actually know why they became successful. They're, okay. they're trying to explain it to you, but they don't actually know the core habits that caused them to be super successful. I could talk about this all day because I literally self-improvement and mindset from like the past three years. It's like my jam. Like that's what I love to talk about. But this is the Amazon podcast. Yeah. And I can tell you that some people are, are oh, yeah. listening, telling me like, like, like ask him, how do you get to be a million dollar Amazon seller? So you, so you go from talking to Paul and he's teaching you how to do retail arbitrage. And I'm guessing you're going to Walmart and Target and, and things like that by yourself, taking your phone. How does that yep. go from doing that? Okay. First question from doing that. At, Cause you said that you believe that it was real because of Paul, but at what point did you really believe that it was something that you can like really do and like make good money at it? Yeah, I would say somewhere around month five. I'll I'll take you there. So basically, his this is what I recommend too. Like you need to just be sourcing all the time in the, in the beginning. Like you need to just be out there looking for products, trying to get a wide variety of products. Don't buy a lot quantity. You want to get your hands dirty, um, and you want to just keep getting out there and getting repetition, trying to find good stuff. Because in the end, your Amazon edge, your value you bring, is just to find cheap products. Like you can price it in a certain way. Prep doesn't really add any value. Well, prep the same way. Like people trying to get a shortcut, an assistant to find them products right in the beginning, they're going to fail. You have to, you have to develop your sourcing edge and talent. And that starts by hitting the stores. So from the very beginning, that's what we focused on. I was at the store all the time. And when I come back, prep my products, send them in, then I'd be looking at the pricing, get back out to the store. Um, so reps and reps of that, uh, I'd say, let's see, it took me August, September, October, really slow shipment times because it was quarter one, quarter four, and uh, I had my first sale like the last couple of days in November, and then I did 15,000 in sales in December. Oh, wow. Um, I, you know, I, like I said, I had 100 grand in the bank. I had some capital to risk on this. Uh, so I wasn't like super afraid, afraid of it. So yeah, I, I um, bought some stuff and got it in over four months. Well, that was, there were toys in December. That wasn't really my jam. Like January rolls around and I started finding um, certain outlet stores that just like, I was able to get a lot of profit in. Okay. And um, I really started to get confidence after I found like, he had me, you know, he wanted me going to different stores. Like if, if this store wasn't, one thing I was doing is I didn't like shopping. Like, but I found my way to shoe stores, which I didn't mind being in. Like, I didn't mind being in a Nike outlet 
like compared to being in a Marshalls in the kitchen section. Right. So I was like, all right, I got. You, I'm gonna have like longer longevity. Speaker, fan? What's up? Are you like a big shoe fan? Not really. Um, I would definitely not at that time. But again, I much prefer athletic wear and shoes mm -hmm. to I kitchen get that. wear and I women's get that. bras. Although I crushed women's bras one time. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. I never. I don't usually talk about that anymore. But we like cleared out Kohl's for like four dollars a bra. It was awesome. Oh wow. But anyway. Let's try. Let's try to wrap this wrap this up with how, when we got the confidence. So I I had a couple sources where I'm landing in the store. I'm like, dude, I'm coming out with a thousand plus in profit here, and I'm sending this in, and it's selling for the most part. It's selling pretty quick, and I'm like, yeah, these numbers aren't like I cannot disprove these numbers. These are I'm buying for twenty seven. I'm selling for sixty over and over and over again. I'm not accumulating a lot of old inventory. So that was around month five, month six in February, January, February. Um, I guess that's 2020. Um, yeah, I think I started in 2019. And uh, so you started before the pandemic. Yep. I had just started before the pandemic. And I right when I started to hit, hit my stride, the pandemic hit. But I, I already got major confidence right before the pandemic hit. And what a lot of people that were doing under Paul's mentorship is when the pandemic hit, they were pivoting. They were changing their strategy to buying like uh, PPE stuff or like trying to buy buy essentials. And I was like, no, I'm like, this is going to open up. I want to, I've always been big on like, get good at one thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I was getting good at shoes and clothing. And I was like, I want to keep hammering this. Right. So um, yeah. So I think before the pandemic hit, I had already opened up tons of 0% APR credit cards and started just going, going ham okay. on, on buying. I, uh, I think around that time I bought a big van because I wasn't fitting it in my CRV. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I still have, I drive, that's my primary vehicle right now. Really? I'm drive, driving a transit van around town. Um, it's a long story, but it's currently my primary car. It's funny. I'm not using it for retail arbitrage. Doing the retail arbitrage? At what point, because like you, because like at the beginning of the podcast, you were saying we and us. So you have a, have a, have a team. So we weren't getting in there. At what point did you decide to go from just you doing this to adding more people in and growing the business? Yeah. So I'm glad you asked and stopped me there because I'm, I'm leaving out a key part or let's, I hope I get the dates right. But around that January, February, when I'm hitting confidence, right before I hit the confidence, I had to take a break. Um, I had to say, Paul... Um, and he got, he got a little nervous that I was going to lose my momentum. I was like, dude, personal life is not lining up. Like I'm, I'm like, I know I'm not giving this my all because my personal life's an issue. Is in the October, baby there yet? Yes. So sorry. Okay. Right when I started, right. Basically right when I got going was when the baby happened. Okay. So um, our baby was born October 6th and, um, it was a wreck. Oh my God. Like trying to get out the door. I was still getting this stuff done, but I was getting out at noon at 1 p.m., like confused as hell. And I still say this, the biggest business decision I ever made was paying for a nanny to come in and help. Um, and I didn't have the money at the time. Like, I mean, obviously I had some savings, but I was dwindling my money. Like I'm thinking about, I have to have some savings for this baby, et cetera. Like I didn't, I could not, like you said, you didn't want to pay for coaching right away. I couldn't really justify it, but I had to take the leap. And the way I did this is I said, look, I don't think, I don't know where these hours are going to go. I don't really, I don't trust myself yet. Let's try this for one month. If it doesn't work, 
I lost a grand or two and we go right back. I'm not committing to paying this to Danny for a year yet. Um, let's try for one month. Well, in that month, I would get up at 6 a.m., go right to Panera, just get all my thoughts together. Panera was my office at the time. I get all my thoughts together. I start like thinking much bigger. Like that time immediately went to like, just like really positive things. And I'm like calling up prep centers. And right away, pretty soon after, my next biggest time savings in the history of all my business, getting a prep center. Because right. when you're prepping your own products, you're like, and you're buying a lot, you're spending 20, 30 hours a week doing low value activity. So within a couple months, I gained like 20, 30 hours back in my week um, of high quality time with the nanny. And then I got the prep center, which led to gaining 20, 30 hours a week. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. So now I have, this is the beginnings of the idea of like focus on high value time and higher for your low value time. Mm -hmm. So that was around that time where I really started hitting confidence um, in my products. And then I didn't have to prep. I could dump them at a prep center. And that takes us to now I, I'm dumping to a prep center. That's my first hire, really just like outsourcing. There's a spreadsheet task that I was doing two hours a day to give the prep center a proper spreadsheet of what we gave them. Mm -hmm. That was when I hired my first VA. I said, let's hire a VA to just do this spreadsheet task. So now we're in February, March, whatever. Um, around that time, we started arbitrage ops because we had a couple months where the stores were closed. Yeah. Uh, but once yeah. we started shopping again and dropping off products, um, I would shop, drop off the products at the prep center. The virtual assistant would come in and give them the perfect spreadsheet. I would, I would scan all the products at the prep center, send that to my virtual assistant, um, just a flat file of UPCs. Mm -hmm. He would run it through a software called SyncCentric, and he would send back um, a file to the prep center and he'd put in all our costs from the receipt and the prep center would have everything they need to enter in an inventory lab and get it shipped. Okay. So, so I already had sorry. my mini company right there. Sorry. I was going to ask the prep center was local. Maybe I missed that. Was it local? So yes. you would, so like you were driving the van to go just, just like drop all the stuff off. I would, I would source, I would go to Panera and work in the morning until the store is open. Then I would drive to the store. I would buy a bunch of shoes over the next four or five hours. Mm -hmm. Then I'd drive to the prep center, drop it off, scan the file, send it to the VA. So I just started doing that over and over and over again. And basically uh, what you said with the nanny, basically you use the nanny to buy back some of your time, well, a lot of your time, and you mm -hmm. capitalize on that time to make even more money. So after that one month, because you said that you were going to do it for um, a month, it was like a no-brainer after that one month, right? Every time I... I've done this since then. Like, let's try this for one month. And almost every time it's like no brainer that we keep this forever. You know, you want to know something? That's what I do. Like not in that. Well, ex well, exactly. I don't like my thing with like a lot of people is that a lot of people like to look at the finish line and they haven't even started yet. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people's problem is being consistent. And I noticed with myself, my problem is being consistent, especially like, let's say this podcast, when I decided to do this podcast, of course, I'm thinking about having a hundred episodes and having this guest on there on, or like that guest on there. But when I think too far down the road, like it gets like not anxiety, but it gets too much to me. So I like to say things like with this podcast, I'm going to just do 10 episodes. If I do 10 episodes, once I get there, then I'll figure it out. You're going to be episode number 25. So that's just how I do like a, a lot of things in my life, just break it up into chunks. And once I get to that chunk, reevaluate and then move forward. 
Yeah, that's great because otherwise, if you if you think of the finish line, you think of it all at once. It's my brain wants to like think of every single problem that's going to happen in the next year and make it feel like I have to do it today. Right. And if you broke it down to like, look, we're gonna do this for one month. It's not. We can do this for one mm-hmm. month. Let's see. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so look, we we do a lot of the same things. That's that's a huge tool right there that that has got me past a lot of things. Let's wrap up how I got it really good. We're almost there. So basically, you're starting to see the the real workings of a company here because right. you can see I'm only doing the shopping. Um, everything else is starting to be done for me. I mean, I got a repricer, so the repricer is doing most of the repricing work. But now, are you setting up your repricer, or do you have a VA doing that also? Now we have an oh, an entire position, just one person working on the repricers. We've so no, I mean back then. Oh, back then, um, still for a while, the VA was just doing that one task. Mm-hmm. But pretty soon, in a couple months, I'm starting to bring him on to other tasks and starting to kind of like give him the whole picture of the company. Right. So at that time, I was still doing the repricer. I was just letting it run. Like I wasn't really focusing on it. I think. Um, when you start Amazon, I would definitely recommend your first 50 SKUs. Like you should be in there seeing what's going on because you want to know what's, but then a, again, you gotta, like, you gotta put your time to certain things. At that time I was like, dude, I'm buying, I'm making it work with buying. I probably wasn't focusing on repricing quite as much. Right. But that's I honestly, have, sorry. Yeah. I was, I was just, I was going to say, that's honestly the same thing I tell my students is like, they like to come. Because the problem with how we talked about you can get on Google and you can find the answers or why do you know it? The thing is, is that it's too much information at a time and it's coming from different parts. So I get a lot of students that haven't even opened up their Amazon account and then they're like, I need inventory lab and I need a repricer and I need this. I'm like, how about we get you about 25 to 40 products? Let's do that regular. Let's figure out how to actually do the process. And then we'll talk about all these extra things that you need. But just... Focus on sourcing first. Just get the products because you can get all these other programs and do that. But if you don't have anything to actually sell, then it doesn't help you at all. So just focus mm-hmm. on getting these products first. We opened arbitrage apps. I met some new contacts and a guy kind of, I realized that online arbitrage, my mentor told me one time that it's more competitive and that he doesn't know how to do it. And I had this belief in my head that online arbitrage is hard, is harder. I had it in my head that online arbitrage was difficult just from like a, one thought that my mentor gave me and that like I just kept repeating it to people. Oh, why do you do retail arbitrage? Oh, because online arbitrage is more competitive. It's funny how you can just inadvertently insert a negative limiting belief in your head just because you wanted to like, you know, you hear a fact and you need to like deal with it and you move on. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you're repeating the same bad thought in your head. So I thought, I just think that's hilarious how we do as humans. And you always got to check what limiting beliefs just randomly entered. You know, so, I think that's yeah. because I, I think that goes with anything. Like one of the, one of the things that like, I don't like to get all spiritual and like do all that. But one of the things I had to do like three years ago, I've really never talked about it, but I kind of not like, a, I don't want to call it like a spiritual awakening, but I just started questioning everything that I was ever taught because I just, just cause somebody told me something doesn't mean that it's true. And most of us spend our life just believing things and never actually questioning it. And I got to the point to where I started to question every single thing right. and like life just changed. So I agree with that 100%. Yeah. It's crazy when you really start breaking it open, like how much of the stuff was actually useful or helpful for us. Uh, but it's so good that we're learning this now. It's part of the growth. So around, yeah, I think around when arbitrage ops open, I just had a call with a high level online arbitrage seller. Mm-hmm. He found our group was interested and he just like happened to get on the phone with me. And in like an hour, he just dumped me like a million in value. 
Like he didn't tell me what to do, but he just told me how possible it was. He's like, dude, I'm making like, he's like, I'm netting like 150 grand a month doing all online arbitrage. And uh, it's like, what's your goal for this thing? I'm like, like I want to make a hundred grand in, the, in a year. And <laughs> then I was like, wait a second. I don't even know why I had that limiting goal. Mm-hmm. So just that conversation, my goal became, I was like, I'm going to make a million this first year. First, like not make a million. I'm going to, I'm going to do 1.2 in sales. Um, I think I was already working with that, but that's still like, you know, 150, 200 grand a year, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, all right, my next year goal is going to be like 4 million. And then a couple of weeks after that, I was like, my next year goal is 10 million, like in sales. And, uh, and this guy makes this much, like I'm going to make this much. Also telling me about another guy that made like triple what he made. Oh, wow. And so just meeting some, someone that could tell me the dreams could be bigger, that became my dream. Like, yeah, but It's funny how it just takes somebody that actually did it to like open up your eyes to believe that it's possible. It's like, I can't remember his name, but he was the first person to break the four minute mile and nobody believed that it could be done until he did it. And after he did it, everybody and their grandmother started to be able to do it. A hundred percent. Yeah. And like the, having a mentor and having the person is that cheat code to like giving you a dream and then those guys like that they literally had to create the dream out of thin air so he told me about online arbitrage then i start bringing my ba into like me and him are starting to source online we're starting to look for stuff and just side by side be on video calls all the all the time and i would just work with him for months and months and months and just i remember some dark periods where we couldn't find anything we couldn't get anything checked out Mm -hmm. Uh, i never thought i was gonna sometimes i never thought i was gonna get there um but during that time, we developed like a proprietary way to um, for him to shop through my computer. And we come come up with all of our um, the ways we we like call up a store and try different ways to check out and things like that. So during that dark period, we actually developed a lot. A lot of times in business, when you have your darkest periods or like your hardest challenges, that's when everyone else quits. So first of all, you're building a moat. That is the moment that your competitors are going to be much less on the other end of it. Um, and you may have also built and learned a lot of things during that process. Right. So always got to think that when you're even small things, when you're starting out, when you have to deal with account help and you're like, Oh my God, I've been on the phone talking to account help for hours and hours. How is this? Like, I hate this. Well, you just got to think bigger. You got to think to yourself, look, I'm doing this right now, but I'm building my process next time. It's going to be half the time or less because I've just built forms on how to respond to them. And then I'm going to teach this to someone. So I'm learning all this. I need this knowledge because I need to be able to manage my person that's going to be doing account health. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what how it um, starts from the granular level, it's really hard to manage someone and set expectations for them. So that's the way you got to think of those challenges. Um, I'm doing all this because in the future, this is what it's going to look like. So I don't want to keep you for, forever because I know you're a busy man and um, we already plan to do a part two. So where can the people get in contact with you? My Instagram is Soros FBA. going to start posting there a lot more. And then if you want to see the current, my current content getting out, Arbitrage Ops Instagram, um, we're pumping a lot of my videos out right there. So I hope you guys enjoy episode 25 of the Amazon Hustle. If you did and you're watching on YouTube, please do me a favor, like the video. If you're watching on your favorite podcast platform, then do me a favor and give this episode five-star review. And I'll catch you guys in episode 26 of the Amazon Hustle. Peace out.